Welcome to the Bulletproof Veteran Podcast. Thank you for your service. Welcome back, everybody. Man, it's great to be with you for another week of Bulletproof Veteran Podcast. We got a good one for you. So there's an asteroid coming to the Earth. All hell's about to break loose. Are you ready? Are you prepared? All right, so that's a little bit of a crazy scenario, okay? I mean, it definitely can happen. It's happened before. But, you know, it's not one of the ones you probably think of right on your daily life. But if you live in Texas or the Northeast this winter, we've had some crazy weather. We've had to be prepared for some situations that maybe we weren't ready for. Okay, Um, especially Texas. I mean, the Northeast, you guys pretty much should be ready for a bad winter. Even if we've been lucky for a couple in a row, you should be ready when the time comes. You should have the snowblower, the generator, the ice melt, you know, the, the basics. But Texas was just, they weren't ready for this. I mean, let's be honest, their power grid wasn't ready for it, let alone the people that live there. So... Why am I talking about all this? Well, we have on the show today two representatives from Zero Disaster Survival, and they are going to be talking about what it means to be prepared and how you can be prepared. We're going to go over some philosophies. We're going to go over the difference between that like apocalyptic you know, prep guy and the natural disaster that we pretty much know is going to come sooner or later prep guy. Um, we're going to talk a lot about family and getting your family involved in, uh, in preparing for kind of worst case scenarios and whether you actually have buy-in from the family and if it's a little bit more difficult when you don't, but how you could still involve them even if they're not into the prepper lifestyle. Um, because let's be honest, your plan's only as good as the weakest link. And if your family's not on board, when the time comes, if you do have to say bug out of your house... It's going to be tough to all of a sudden convince them to do certain things. So you want to kind of prepare them along the way. And um, like I said, Carson and John, they talk all about this stuff. And they're really interesting guys. And they're just trying to get good information out to people and kind of cut through a little bit of the bullshit and the YouTube, you know, fanatic kind of stuff. And, you know, the Discovery Channel shows that they're listening. They're just trying to sell ad revenue anyway. So they have to make it into this kind of crazy thing and instill drama and all that kind of stuff. These guys are just looking at the basic facts and what it means to be prepared. And they've done their research, and they're about to pass that research on to you. And we have it for you. So I'm really excited, like I said. Before we get into all that, as usual, please follow us on Instagram at Bulletproof Veteran. You can check out our Twitter at Bulletproof underscore Vet. You can follow our Facebook page at Bulletproof Veteran Podcast. YouTube and Rumble, both at Bulletproof Veteran Podcast. Best way to support the show, subscribe, like, leave a comment, um, any of that kind of stuff. Share a post if you like what we put out there. Um, you know, like I said, reviews are pretty much the best thing you can do for us, uh, whether that's on uh, the podcast provider or if you're leaving comments on YouTube is the best way to help out the show. So we do appreciate everybody out there who has been doing that. Thank you. Um, listen, we're, we're still chugging along with a lot of our projects, and things are coming along great. 
I'm going to have some videos soon and um, some pictures of the uh, the new studio. Uh, actually was in uh, the garage today laying the last layer of epoxy on the new studio desk. So that hopefully will be in place at least by probably next week. And then we're really going to start seeing everything come together because that's kind of the big focal point um, of the studio. So once that's in, uh, I'm going to be releasing some of the video from when we made that. And also some pictures and stuff of before and after of what the studio kind of has morphed into. And I hope you guys really enjoy that because it was a lot of fun doing. Me and my father worked real hard on the stuff. Uh, my buddy from the military, um, he better known as Zero, came up from uh, Maryland to paint uh, the uh, flag for the uh, studio, the logo. And uh, we can't thank him enough for that. And he did just an amazing job. I actually posted a picture of his work on Instagram, and, and it really did come out just perfect. So you'll see that up in the studio as well. Um, and as far as the race is going, I'm in contact with everybody that need I need to be in contact with. We're working on some swag. We're working on T-shirt designs. We're working on an easy way for you guys to sign up and to um, donate at the same time so this isn't like a cumbersome process because I feel like the easier I make it for everybody, the more people actually sign up and run. And that's what we really want to see. Again, looking at July probably is the time frame for that. More to come uh, as we get a little closer and as we solidify these dates and create uh, you know, where you're going to go to sign up. But uh, that's all coming. So please uh, just bear with us as we get the details together. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, besides that, I don't know. Um, oh, as always, Strikeforce Energy. Head over to StrikeforceEnergy.com. Take a look at that energy drink. If you're looking for something to drop into your water, just a little couple squirts, pops right in the water, just awesome. No crash. Forget five hours. You got six, seven hours of energy after you take this stuff. I love it. Uh, I'm a big fan of the orange, uh, but I know a lot of people like the grape. There's also an original, and there's like a lemon-lime type one. Um, check them all out. They have a variety pack that you can pick up, and you can try all four. And if you use um, coupon code BULLETPROOF, you get 25% off. So enjoy that. I hope to pass that along to you guys and uh also, take a look at their swag. They got some awesome stuff over there. I, I always have my uh, my water bottle is is from them, and I love it. It's gotten the hell beat out of it, and it's still ticking. So uh, definitely good quality products over there. Go over and uh, check them out. Besides that, I think that's it. Let's get right into this week's interview. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Bulletproof Veteran Podcast. I'm super excited to have on the show today two representatives from an organization that you may not have heard of yet, but I think you're going to hear a lot about in the future. It's Zero Disaster Survival. And the reason I think that you're going to hear a lot about them in the future is, is they are onto something because... If you've heard about what's going on down in Texas, if you've heard about the bad winter that we had up here in the Northeast, I think more and more people are getting tuned into what they need in their home, how they need to be prepared for all these different situations. It's not just people that are prepping for the apocalypse, the stereotype of the prepper and all of that. This is real world stuff that we're dealing with time and time again. I mean, you 
listen to videos of Tim Kennedy down in Texas during this whole ice storm, and there's a guy who's prepared. And these two gentlemen from uh, Zero Disaster are just trying to educate. They're just trying to show everybody what they need. They're going to be putting more and more content out. So I'm super excited to have them on now so that we could talk about what they're going to be doing in the future. So today I have on the show Carson Sanji and John Plastina. So we're going to be talking about their organization and what they are doing. But let's hear a little bit about them first. So John, please tell us a little bit about yourself. So uh, I've been involved in this whole lifestyle now for, I'd say, going on close to 15 plus years. You know, we are, uh, we're, we're a family now, or I, I have a family now, and it's become a, a very important thing near and dear to my heart to make sure that I always have a way to take care of my family. You know, this, this was something that started as a hobby, and it grew into something really important to me. And we wanted to be able to share that with the rest of the world. There's a lot of people that want to get their foot wet in, you know, get, get their feet wet into the prepping world, but they just don't know where to begin. It's information overload out there. So um, I kind of went on this mission to find a way to get that information out there in, in a more digestible format. Uh, it's great. Now, um, do you have a military background, civilian background? Yep. Purely civilian. Civilian, okay. Yeah, everything I've done, I mean, I've, I've modeled a lot of my training exercises off of a variety of different military law enforcement. I mean, you name it, I, I've done the research into every different area of the preparedness lifestyle. And I have uh, kind of tested the waters, so to speak. I've done some training. I've done some exercises. I've learned the things that have worked well for me. I've learned the things that don't work. And, you know, like I said, now I'm just trying to get that information back out there. Awesome develop a network in addition to that you know we've been focused on developing a network or that's been my goal is to branch out and find others that are like-minded and bring them into this community together yeah that's really important you know whenever i talk to any of these organizations everybody's learning that you don't have to know everything anymore it's better to have that strong network and listen if i don't have the information i'm going to send you to the organization that does or is the expert in that and that's the way you really grow a business. That's the right way you really kind of operate nowadays. Um, it's not just a one-stop, I, I know everything, just listen to me anymore. Um, but yeah. thank you. Uh, welcome to the show. I'm really looking forward to talking to you. Uh, Carson, please tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Well, um, I guess I've been involved uh, in the prepping lifestyle roughly about the same time as John, about 15 years. Not directly as much as he has. Um I lived through Hurricane Katrina, and uh, my dad was kind of prepping for that pr uh, prior to it hitting New Orleans. So I've, I've been around that lifestyle for a long time, and uh, I grew up doing lots of backwoods hunting with my dad as well, lots of small game hunting and whatnot. So I was exposed to uh, bushcraft and elements of a wilderness level since I was a child. And um, that that's the aspect that always really stuck with me was the outdoor survival portion. So um yeah, and really that's where it started. So I, I guess you could say about five years ago, I really started to get into it. And then once I had my first uh, child, it, I really started to kick the prepping into, uh, you know, fourth gear, so to speak. Um, because just like John said, uh, I, want, I want to have a way to take care of my family. If something does happen, like Hurricane Katrina, and you lose power for, for weeks on end, or, or there's a flood, I want to plan and um, a method to feed my kids 
lives and, and make sure their lives are comfortable and my life's as comfortable as possible. So, yeah, it's um, having the kid is uh, it's an eye opening experience to any type of real yeah. disaster. I know we lost power during um, a hurricane just this past uh, fall, and I never used to care. Like if I lost power, it's not all right. You lose power. It's not the end of the world. Uh, I'm going to start the generator. I'm going to do what I got to do, whatever the case may be. Having the kid in the house kind of changed the game because now I'm like, all right, what do we have food-wise? What are we doing for her? Um, Is it a safe scenario? Uh, Is it – are we – you know, we had trees coming yeah. down and stuff like that. Is this tree close to the house? Is this this one's close to her bedroom? Like now, I'm looking at everything. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. Exactly, and honestly, go ahead, Carson. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say um, it was perfect. Uh, perfect example of uh, of when the prepping came in handy was when the beginning of the the COVID pandemic happened. I mean, they shut everything down and people were hoarding toilet paper and mm-hmm. food. And uh, it, it was a nice feeling knowing that I had everything I needed to, to survive a while. So I, I didn't even have to go out and shop because I didn't really want to brave the hordes. Uh, it just it just didn't seem safe to me, uh, especially at the time being in Las Vegas. I mean, people were hoarding these store grocery stores bad. So um, it was a good feeling inside myself knowing that I had nothing to worry about. So and that that's kind of a big reason. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, go ahead, John. Yeah, please, John. Well, you know, I mean, ultimately, the the whole point of getting started in prepping and, and continuing on on this path it, it may have started for one reason. And I, I'm gonna, you know, funny story. I a job many years ago. I worked for a retail organization. One of the managers I worked for was an author. He wrote stories about zombies, and he had recruited me while I was working with him at this retail organization to do some research for him into zombie survival. And I'm, you know, I, I was kind of puzzled, but Walking Dead was just getting popular. And so I, I started looking at this stuff to help him out with a project. And that sparked some interest. I, I helped him admin his site for a while too. So, I was, you know, I was doing this on a regular basis and I was constantly finding things about just regular real survival. Uh, you know, and survival branched out into being prepared and those sort of things. And while, while I look back, it was fun. It was a hobby, you know, something that I was doing just because I was interested in the content. But the moment family came into play, you know, like you guys said, it changes everything. You start evaluating things much more closely. Uh, I live within a 50 mile radius of three active nuclear power plants. Uh, two of them, I'm within the 20 mile radius. And so, you know, I have to take into consideration dangers in my environment, those kind of things. Now that I have a child, if it was just me, I wouldn't be nearly as concerned. I would be a lot more of a free spirit about that type of thing. But when it comes down to it and you have little ones to protect, you know, a spouse to protect, like there's people you care about, your loved ones, um, you gotta, you gotta do the right thing. You have to be prepared and you have to have a plan in place. Yeah. And your plan is going to change a lot when you have that little one, because even, you know, you and your wife or you and your significant other, however it works, bugging out or something like that, not that hard if you had to just jump in the car and go. If you're toting a two-year-old around, jumping in the car and just rolling might be a little bit more difficult. (laughs) Um, so your plan has to adjust for the members of your family, if it's a growing family or whatever. Um, if you're ca- caring for an elderly 
person. You know, I'm I'm basically the primary uh, carer for my parents. You know, they they're fully functional. They could do everything on their own, but. I don't know if like a, there was a major disaster. I know I would have to be the one that would include them in whatever our plan was. So all these things have to come into play. Um, definitely. Now, John, why start Zero Disaster, though? Yeah, I mean, the truth is uh, I'm a learner. I, I, I constantly want to be learning. And one of the best ways that I learn is by documenting and teaching it back to other people. Um, I've carried that through in my career and my personal life. It's just the way that I absorb things best. So, you know, I was putting this all in the book and collect, I mean, really like every, every piece of information that I've ever found valuable, I've documented it and I've stored it. And right now it's living in a OneNote notebook. And um, I mean, it's massive. You know, the file is 60 something gigs. of this huge. So I've, wow. I've kept records of all the really key things I've learned over these years. But at a certain point, you know, after about five years, I was like, what am I doing with this by myself? Like, I need to share this. So um, I started ZDS, Zero Disaster Survival, as um, just a way for me to kind of voice that stuff. And it, it wasn't even for anybody that wanted to listen. If you're there, great. But just for me to be able to put this down in another forum. And I, I really didn't have plans to try to grow it into anything massive. That was never my my goal when I first started it. Like I said, it was just a hobby. Um, I branched into Instagram after about a year or two of just having a Facebook page. And uh, we blew up pretty quickly there. Um, you know, we were within the first, well, I shouldn't say quickly. I guess that's, that's relative. But I think we were at about 15,000 followers at one point. And I was really excited about what was happening. Uh, you know, the, the growth was encouraging. It was motivational. It gave me a reason to want to continue this and do bigger things. And right around the same time, I had read the book um, by Franklin Horton. It's called Locker Nine. And this book is, uh, so Franklin Horton, fantastic author, one of my tops. And he writes this book about his daughter going away to college. And I don't want to, you know, no spoilers for anybody right. because it's a really good book. But as a prepper, the father's a prepper, he sets his daughter up with this plan because she's going away to school thousands of miles. And so he wanted to make sure she was going to be set. And he gave her this key and she had this locker full of gear and found herself in a disaster. And in that locker was a book with all different people she could reach out to on her journey home. Okay. I was, I was totally inspired by that. And you know, I've heard people refer to that as spider points since that time. Uh, I don't know if there's an official term for it, but the whole idea was just, I mean, that was monumental to me. And so I went on this journey to start networking, essentially. I mean, I always had people DMing me uh, through the social media platforms and we would, we would have conversations and things like that. But I was officially on a mission to look for some people that I could turn this into more of a community. And uh, lo and behold, Carson reached out to me kind of in the midst of all of that. So I didn't find him. He found me. Um, I was I was doing these scenarios on our Instagram site, you know, pretty regularly, almost weekly at that time. And the scenarios kind of paint this picture for you of a, of a crisis situation. And the idea is to be a, a brain exercise. Put yourself in that situation. We've given you facts. You know, what did you observe from the story? And what would you do to react in that situation? And, and 
that sparks a lot of great discussion. And so I was able to meet a couple of people because of those scenarios, Carson being one of them. Um, but he and I hit it off right off the bat. I mean, we had some fantastic discussion about, you know, again, just kind of what ifs. Um, and from there, you know, it took only a little while before I was like, you're the perfect fit. And so I brought him on and uh, Carson, I mean, let me let you speak a little bit about your journey so far. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. So uh, it, it kind of happened around the same time I started getting serious into survival and preparedness. And um, I, I had followed a couple pages of uh, survival pages on Instagram and um, zero disaster being one of them back uh, when he, uh, there was obviously we had a lot less followers, but uh, like John said, our, our big thing in zero disaster is every week we put out a scenario that kind of just challenges people's thinking. It gets them thinking, even if it's not completely realistic, it, uh, it challenges your mind to make a hard decision. And, and I, I really like that, that he did that. So uh, I reached out to him one day and said, Hey man, I, I love your scenarios. Like you mind if I kick you a scenario that we can talk about and maybe discuss. And, um, ironically enough, it was about surviving a hurricane in new Orleans uh, that was the first conversation we had. So we discussed um, what would happen if there was a massive storm and we had to pretty much cross this big bridge across this lake to get back to my whole hometown. So, um, and I was deployed at the time. Uh, I was in Kuwait and, and you know, it was cool. We had kind of like a pen pal. So we, we started talking about uh, zero disaster, how he started it. And um, I guess what our plans were in the future for survival and preparedness and and whatnot, and just about prepping in general. And, and like I, uh, like John said, eventually he, he asked me to be a part of the community and I was, I was more than willing. I mean, it, it, the uh, zero disaster means a lot to me now, probably just as much as it means to John. So um, yeah, uh, it, it just, it was fate. That's good. Sometimes that's just the way it works out. And it's funny <laughs> that it's funny that of course it was a hurricane story that, uh, that, that was the one yeah. that kind of brought you guys together because listen, you're going to draw from your personal experience having lived through Katrina um, I saw this week's, uh, uh, scenario and, and now I've only been following okay. you guys for a little while. So I'm still kind of new to that kind of like exercise, but I did look at it <clears throat> and you're right. You, it is definitely a conversation piece because you're not going to know the answers right off just by looking at it. And you're going to read the scenario different than say I would, uh, you guys are probably, you know, looking at it from a, a 10 different angles and making sure that, you know, am I hitting it from this side? Am I making sure I have all this equipment, blah, 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 whatever you're going to do. And as a layperson who's done minimal research into prepping and survival and stuff, I'm probably going to be very one dimensional while looking at that. Um, I'll probably get locked into one part of it and not, and I'll miss something. And that's why this training is there. That's why there's these organizations that help with this because you don't want to just look at that one dimension because it's that other exactly. side that's going to bite you in the ass and you're going to be, yeah. you know, you're, you're not going to plan for that. And, and you're right. And that's uh, kind of how our scenarios, I mean, they don't necessarily build on each other all the time, mm -hmm. but um, it's, it's always challenging different aspects of, of what people are thinking, whether it's a split decision that you make right there, or it's one of those things where you're, like you said, you have to think about, and you're like, man, what, yeah. what would I do in that situation? Like, what would I do? Like for real, mate, like, and you get some interesting answers from people too. Um, I mean, even between me and John, often we have separate answers, different answers, not, a, it's not a wrong or right answer. It's just an answer. Um, because not every scenario can be, there's, it's not a, a one answer for everything. I mean, there's going to be multiple answers that are, that, that work for that specific person. So, so, so that kind of leads into my next question. 
does Zero Disaster kind of have a philosophy? So do, do you guys have a way that you attack how you educate your community? Um, John, you can go ahead, Steve. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, first of all, I, I kind of incorporated at the start of this my personal philosophy. And that, you know, um, number one, you can't control everything. Control the controllables. So that's kind of my like overarching principle is I'm going to focus on the things that I have control over and I'm not going to worry about this stuff. You know, if an asteroid using the example from this weekend scenario is coming towards earth, it is what it is, you know, I'm going to go out and have a party. Um, but I'm going to control the controllables when there is an opportunity for me to make sure that I'm in a better situation or my family or my friends or whoever uh, is in a better situation. Cause I took a few steps in advance that's the goal. Um, and what, we've, what we're trying to really do here is take this, this vast, like monumental uh, library of information that's out there. And we're trying to break it down into ways that somebody that is brand new to prepping could literally say, I'm going to sit down with you guys and understand how to become a prepper over the next year. Um, part of something we're developing for our website, you know, but we, there's just, you know, if you do it like the way I did, I just sat down and started searching things, you know, and, and I wanted to be kind of, if you've ever seen the movie, The Edge, um, Anthony Hopkins, yes. he role in there. Yeah, he, he was a, a pretty slick character. He always had a solution. He always had a fix, like whatever the problem was, Anthony Hopkins was that guy. And I wanted right. to be that guy. And as I started investing time into learning about what it was going to take to, you know, become this prepper, uh, I realized that it branches in so many different directions. You know, it's not just store food and water and get a gun or guns, you know, it's, it's, it goes everywhere. You know, there's so many different sub genres of the prepping lifestyle. And I, I felt like I had to learn all of that. I had to get my feet wet in all of it, you know, and understand a little bit of everything Renaissance man style. And so, I went that path and, and I learned a tremendous amount, but there was no structure to it. And so I, I've spent the last five years kind of trying to put that back into a consistent structure that I could then turn around and teach to somebody else from the ground up. So instead of somebody just going out there and starting their search the way I did and hitting YouTube and just being overwhelmed um, you know, with so much content, we can give you a format uh, in, in the idea here is to be budget friendly. Mm -hmm. um, I've been lucky that my family supports this mission that I'm on. They're not active participants, so to speak, as, as much as I would like them to, although I get my kids involved quite a bit. Uh, and they love it. But I'm trying to make this plan happen in a way that one person could plan for their family without the involvement of the others, just in case they don't want to be. Mm -hmm. You could still be successful, even if you've got naysayers in the home. So that's kind of been the overall mission here is to package up all that information and give it to you in a way that you can afford and you could do it without your spouse yelling at you, um, you know, and have a structure to it essentially. Yeah. Well, and budget friendly is a big part for a lot of people, especially if you're just getting into it and you don't have stockpiles of different things, especially say ammunition, weapons, things like that. You're talking big dollar items. 
if everybody if you just have unlimited funds, you have the bunker from Lost in your backyard and you're good to go. You know, you're going to go down in there and you could live forever and hey, good for you. But hmm. most of us don't have that amount of expendable income to just hey, I'm going to just do whatever I want. So you have to pick and choose where to put your money and also you know how to stretch that dollar to do the things that are the most important and you hit kind of the nail on the head with the control the controllables um carson what in your opinion name some controllables so what are some things that i can control that i should kind of focus on well um i guess this kind of go into my my philosophy Mm -hmm. um in prepping too um one thing you control one the main things that you control is uh how you react to situations and um and that's, I think that's one of the most important things is learning how to, uh, to react to a serious situation. So say if I get, I don't know, if I get stranded on an island like uh, Castaway, you can freak out and, and probably die. But the, controllable, the controllables in that situation are how am I going to react to this situation? What am I going to do right now that's going to keep me alive tonight? And, uh, and, and that kind of goes to one of my, my, my first principles or philosophies is keeping it simple. Uh, especially for, with prepping, um, an example would be if you're new to prepping, it, it can be overwhelming, especially with the amount of information out there. So, uh, but you start, you start simple, you start somewhere and, uh, which would be like getting a three day supply of food and water. That's something you can simply do. And then, uh, it's a building block from there. You build upon that you get up to a week's worth of food and water, um, or whatever you need. And then you build from there. It's, uh, it, keeping it simple is, probably one of the the biggest things people need to do because prepping is a very, like John said, it's a very overwhelming and um, uh, process because there's just so much information that that can come from you from every angle. I mean, there's food, water, uh, surviving in the wilderness, guns, ammo. It's just, there's no answer, straight answer. Um, So keeping it simple would be my first thing. Um, I think John mentioned it, uh, getting family involved. I think that's a controllable as well. Okay. Um, as best as you can. I'm lucky enough that my family is involved with it. So uh, they support it. They understand my wife uh, specifically. She's, um, she's on board. So that, that makes uh, the whole prepping lifestyle much easier. And um, one of the other things you can do, a big controllable is train. Uh, train. If you, if you have things you want to get better at, train. Um, there's bushcraft skills or regular survival skills in general, you need to train for, uh, you can talk about it all you want, but when the time comes, you're going to react, um, based on your experience. So training is a, a big controllable that everybody can have. And, uh, lastly, I would say never stop learning. Just like, uh, John said with that, um, this isn't really a hobby that everybody knows everything. Um, you have to keep learning no matter what. And there's always going to be somebody that knows more than you, uh, and it's best to to listen to what they have to say. And, and yeah, pretty much just like me and John, for example, we have a very different background when it comes to survival and preparedness. Mine's more of the bushcraft and outdoor and his is more of the, you're prepping, you know, making sure you have the the proper amenities and whatnot for, for outlasting a uh, natural disaster, so to speak. So we've kind of learned from each other. And that's that's kind of goes back to just making sure you're always learning. Yeah, 
You, well, and that's the key for everything, I think. Uh, you know, if you get stagnant in anything you're doing, like you said, it's uh, you're, you're going to get passed by somebody else or you're not going to be prepared for the things that, that uh, change in the future. So you always have to be kind of honing that skill, learning, training, going through it. And keeping it simple is definitely something that I can agree with because, listen, if you don't have water in your house – that whole home generator that you spent 20 grand on with the sweet transfer switch and all of that, mm-hmm. not really worth much to you because if you don't have pot right. of water, you're going to have a bad day. So exactly. knowing where to start and where to kind of build and then, hey, listen, if you already have the supplies and then you want to go get your nice home generator, great, exactly. it's on you. Yes. Um Getting off to that good platform and that 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 good starting spot, like you said, three days of food and water. Then you work up to say seven days food and water. Yeah, um, right. John, I don't even want to ask how many days of food and water you got in the house. Oh, um, I, I mean, I think I'm just a little bit over a year at this point. Wow. Yeah. What does a year's worth of water look like? Uh, a lot. Well, it, it looks like a couple of fifty-five gallon drums. Okay. Is you know there's a, a variety of different ways you can store that kind of thing. Um, Fifty five gallon drums, they're blue, they're yep. fairly expensive on Amazon. Really easy way to put a lot of water aside, um, you know. But you can also do things like get yourself. There's a product called a water bomb, and I think I've seen a couple of other knockoff versions of it. But it's a little thin plastic bag with a nozzle that wraps around your faucet for your bathtub. In the event of a crisis, you, the moment you know something bad's happening, drop it in your bathtub, fill it up. It'll store 100 gallons of water for you. Keep it fresh, not contaminated by the, you know, the bathtub. So, I mean, for 20 bucks, you could do something like that. You don't necessarily have to go out and put a cistern in your backyard. Right. But, you know, <clears throat> a basement, dropping 75 bucks to buy a water barrel to have 55 gallons uh, on hand for an emergency. And I mean, there's other areas in your house you would have access to water. Your hot water heater is going to contain it. God forbid you'd have to, but the, the water in your toilet tank is usually clean enough to do some things with. I don't know if I would trust drinking that. Um, but with the right filters, everything is, you know, possible. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, so like, like I said, you can, you can go into this, you can go in depth, but there's kind of a, there's a difference between that stereotypical zombie movie apocalypse <clears throat> prepping, and then there's prepping, say, for occurrences that are almost going to happen every year. So if you're in the Northeast, there's a good chance you're probably going to get a hurricane or a nor'easter, <clears throat> tropical storm. Something like that is going to happen. If you live in the Midwest, there's a good chance that you might have some issues with a tornado or something like that. Um wildfires big in California right now. If you're out there, there's right. a good chance that you're probably going to live through a wildfire. Um, Texas, I don't think they thought this was going to happen. It's been over 10 years since something like this happened with the ice. But, you know, I think the prepping side of it is going to be different than the quote-unquote apocalyptic, hey, like you guys said in the scenario this week, there's an asteroid coming or, you know, this this giant flood that's going to take us out or something like that. Um, can you talk a little bit, um, and John, please go ahead. Um, can you talk a little bit about those two differences? And 
can can we prep for both of them at the same time or should we be focused on one or the other i think there's a, a tremendous amount of overlap okay you know? and and really there's there's kind of a third venue there that we should be considering too and that's prepping for you know that that individual disaster like getting sick mm. you know somebody gets cancer they lose their job uh, something terrible happens that puts you out of your element for a period of time. You know, we can't forget about that, but prepping is prepping. You know, if you're doing something to put yourself in a better position, whether that's putting some money into the bank. So that if I do lose my job, I got six months worth of my salary saved up to tap into, or, you know, if I live in that area where I'm going to hurricanes, you know, I've got boards for my windows already pre-cut and ready to go. And I've got uh, an emergency radio or weather radio. Mm -hmm. So I can pay attention at really closely. There's, you know, those things all overlap into those three different categories. Um, Carson, I, you know, I know you have a, a pretty strong opinion on this. Yeah, I do. Um, so just like John said, there is a lot of overlap. Um, for the most part, the keeping it simple factor, uh, you're going to see where the main overlap is. But I, I think the important thing here is to define what apocalyptic scenario looks like. Okay. So hurricane, not so much apocalyptic scenario, but a pretty bad natural disaster. In my, in my opinion, now, I mean, everybody's going to be different. Apocalyptic scenario to me would be an asteroid, a mega volcano, a mass fam famine where all the crops die, or some type of nuclear war or global war where all production stops of, of food and water and fresh water. Okay. That to me is apocalyptic. So the difference would be, um, I guess if you're prepping for an apocalyptic scenario, quote unquote, the ultimate goal would be uh, complete self-sustainment. So how do you, can you grow your own crops? Can you produce your own water with a well? Can you go out and hunt your own food? Um, are you ready for the winter when it comes when, when you're, there's not going to be as much hunting or crops? It, it's, it's planning ahead and having, uh, being able to be completely self-sustaining or at least uh, making that a goal. So I know me and John talk about where it's not a level we're we're even at yet, but it's something that everybody should strive to to learn is self-sustainment in some form. Uh, because in that type of apocalyptic scenario, most likely the trucks aren't going to start rolling food in anytime soon. Right. So you're gonna you're gonna have to figure out ways to get water, to get uh, medicines. And and that's a really in-depth uh, version of I guess survival because at that point you have to start looking at uh, different types of medicinal plants and, and scouting out different areas, making sure your home's defended from uh, any invaders that might be trying to, to steal what you have. So um, that, that's really the main difference uh, for apocalyptic scenario is the ultimate goal would be self-sustainment. You want to be able to literally take care of yourself completely without the, uh, the hope that, that trucks are going to start rolling in with food or they're going to start bringing water in. I mean, you have to pretty much be able to, to handle all of that yourself. And if anybody out there is thinking, well, that's crazy. We don't have to get ready for that. It's not going to happen. Just take this past year. How close did we get to grocery stores having no food on the shelves? You couldn't buy well, steak. You couldn't buy toilet paper. You said it earlier. Um, so it's not that crazy when you think about it. And it's not that and, off the wall that, that production lines would stop. I mean, even Amazon, the great and all-powerful Amazon couldn't get stuff out on time and didn't have things in stock. If you'd have told me five years ago that I wouldn't have my two-day shipping and I wouldn't mm -hmm. have things just dropped on my doorstep when I wanted them, 
I would have said you were crazy because Amazon, that's what, that's what it is. You take it for granted. Exactly. Um, but, you know, and, uh, I'm, Oh, go ahead, John. Sorry, brother. I, we, we we're in a really <laughs> delicate infrastructure that, that we've become accustomed to, you know, everything at the stores is runs off a just in time inventory system. So they only stock enough food for three days. Yes. There's, there's a book or a quote or something, Nine Meals from Anarchy. Um, I'm not sure I can quote the person that said it, but um, that's there's a lot of truth behind that. Nine Meals from Anarchy just means that within 72 hours, you know, if the food trucks stop showing up, the food stores are empty. The gas trucks are, are not rolling out. Gas pumps aren't getting filled, you know. Um, and that's how our entire infrastructure works. So when you have something cataclysmic that gets in the way of that, whether you know it, it be logistical challenges because of a storm in an area or a road that you know suffered breakage, or it's it's you know more at the internal level, um, anything could disrupt that infrastructure and could put you in a precarious situation where you can't go to the store and get what you need. So you got to figure out how you're gonna uh, take care of yourself. Yeah, and we see how quickly two things can happen at the same time. Because again, using this past year as an example, because uh, Carson, you were talking about security as well. At the same time as things were flying off the shelves and we couldn't get products, we were also dealing with protests across the whole country. And there was this threat, there was this kind of overwhelming idea that they were going into suburbia and it wasn't just in the cities. And it was, you know, people were acting in hostile ways towards just the mass populace, not just against, you know, one group of people. So right. now you have two things going on that that I think people hadn't really thought about that much before. And I know, listen, I think about some weird stuff. My brain's always going. So this isn't the first time that I'm like, hey, I listen, I have MREs waiting. I have MREs in my truck. I have a go bag in my truck um, for when I travel, stuff like that. I, I make sure that I have Basics. I would never say that I know that that much about this stuff, but I have some basics that I go with. I was even looking at this going, all right, telling my wife, listen, I heard that there's protests that are getting a little closer to the house. You know, we might want to just beef up security around the house a little bit. I have camera systems. Hey, let's check the camera systems more often. Let's make sure that the alarm is set, you know make sure that anything that we need for our own personal security is taken care of and ready to go. Whereas I probably wouldn't have thought about that beforehand. Um, And again, it it compounded because I was also like, hey, if somebody wants a steak and they haven't eaten in three days, they're going to come get the steak out of my freezer. (laughs) Exactly. And to add to that, um, before we move on, uh, a type of scenario like this has happened in the world before. It's just not something you encounter every day. Um, a great book that everybody should read is called The Dark Secrets of uh, SHTF uh, Survival. And it's about a guy named Selko Begovic and he um, he survived. So basically it was the Balkan Wars and, and the whole his whole city was under siege and they had no food or water for a year, nothing. So um, the book dives into, I mean, pretty much neighbors who knew each other for years, turning on each other, and the book dives into how the, the country kind of manipulated the whole situation to, to make it happen. So it's really not that far-fetched that people could be in a scenario like that because it has happened in the world before. Yeah. And you see just, you know, we like to think that 
the United States, this stuff's not going to happen here. But you see the basis of the United States kind of in a constant flux nowadays. Everybody, it's so polarizing out there. This group doesn't like this group. This group's protest. If you'd have told me that you were going to have live television with people storming the Capitol and I was going to be watching it, I, I would have said, you're crazy. It's not going to happen. Right. So all these things are kind of happening that we never really thought were going to happen. So it's mm-hmm. the people that are prepared for this stuff that aren't going to be so worried and are going to think clearly if something bad happens. Because I think that's a point that you brought up already is being able to think clearly. And if you have a right. plan and you're not completely stressed out when something happens and you have that exactly. six months of cash, say, uh, in the bank, and it, you have food, you have water, you have the basics to survive. Now you can start thinking about all the other stuff that you might need to do in that scenario, whatever the scenario may be. Um, right. Yeah, so- and that goes back to like what you, what you were saying, the things that we can control. What can we control in that situation? Um, if there's riots coming to your house, like what, what can you control? And, uh, that's important in any of those situations. You have to be, you have to be trained up and ready to, to react without freaking out, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, being able to keep a level head when everybody else around you is going crazy is, uh, is going to be a good thing for you. Um, That'll keep you alive. It'll definitely keep you alive without a doubt. Um, so we talked about training a little bit and, we talked about always wanting to learn, all that kind of stuff. So if I'm brand new, say, to prepping, if I'm just getting started, like you said, <laughs> information overload. If you just type prepping into YouTube, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of videos. You don't know if these people are reputable. You don't know which one you should start with and where you should kind of go. What are some basic skills that people that are just starting out should really focus on from the training and, you know, the education side of the house. Uh, e- either, either one, please. Uh, John, if you'd like. Go ahead, John. Um, all right. So, uh, you know, I think that if you're looking to build just <laughs> foundational skills, uh, I think about first, where do you spend the most time at home? So understanding some basic maintenance about your home in, in case of an emergency, turning off the gas, the water, the electric, or turning those services back on. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty fundamental uh, skill that everybody should have. In addition to that, knowing how to exit the home in the event of a fire, knowing how to address a fire in your home. Um, those are some of the most common incidents that people face. Uh, beyond that, what happens if somebody gets hurt? You know, some, some pretty basic first aid skills are great, but I always encourage people to take it a level up. Go seek out a uh, Red Cross course or a TECC course, which is stands for Tactical Emergency Casualty Care. It teaches you how to stop a, a significant bleed, apply a tourniquet, those sort of things. Mm-hmm. There's also actual bleed courses that you could take. But these are all really fun. They're exciting um, you know, to be able to walk away and say, I might be able to save somebody's life with this knowledge. Uh, beyond that, you know, learning how to treat just some of the really disastrous things like shock or hypothermia, hyperthermia, Um, you know, so I I would definitely say first aid is another big thing. And then beyond that, beyond, I'll I'll let Carson touch on the bushcraft stuff, because I know that that's, you know, pretty near and dear to his heart, but um, just building a plan. I, you know, I know it's not so much a 
a training thing, but taking the time to understand your risks that you could potentially be exposed to and building a plan for those risks. That's, that's really the other kind of fundamental thing that I think a lot of people miss out on. Everybody goes right for the glorious bug out bag. Let me go buy a bunch of gear, throw it in a bag and never take it out of the packaging. I mean, I, it drives me crazy. I, I get frustrated. <laughs> Sorry. Every time I see these videos on YouTube where somebody's demonstrating their bug out bag, everything in that bag is still in the packaging. It's like, yeah, know that that thing is going to break the second time you use it. Uh, if you had used it, you would have figured that out by now. You know, we've done that, we've gone through all that trial and error. Right. And so, you know, again, I'm coming back to those foundational principles. Don't do them. You know, don't make the mistakes that I made over my first five or six years of doing this. Now that I understand the structure behind it, I could easily say, here's what would be prioritized early on and uh, building that plan, understanding <clears throat> risks and building a plan around risks is, is really one of the key principles there. Yeah. And definitely trying out your equipment. I can't agree uh, more <laughs> yes. because listen, absolutely. if you bought that thing for 20 bucks on Amazon and there was 52 tools in it, I'm going to go ahead and say 49 of them are probably going to break the first time you use them um, because it was 20 bucks for 59 tools. Um, you know, you might get one or two things out of there that were pretty good, but there's a good chance that the stuff's not going to be that great. If you're doing this stuff on a budget, you might be in that scenario. Take your stuff out, use it, train with it so you know how to use it. Uh, and it's not the first time you open up the package and you've never seen this thing before. Um, so I, I want to echo that because that's very important. Um but to get to get into a little bit of the bushcraft uh, side of the house, uh, Carson, what are some uh, some basic skills that you think that people should learn just starting out? Right. Um, so yeah, I guess um, bushcraft would be part of it. But uh, my 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 basics are a little more outdoor focused, while um, John's are a little more around the prepping, and that's kind of what makes our our group special. Is we offer something different here. So yeah, um, I'll say uh, learning basics: how to build a fire. What if you have to take if you have to take a three day bug out, for example, let's we'll use that as a scenario for this. Can you build a fire to keep yourself warm to boil your water? How do you obtain the water? That's another skill um, obtaining and processing water, um, processing wood to fuel that fire. Um, obtaining food uh, is another one, even if it's simple traps or uh, or how to hunt whatnot. So um, which more will be coming on that in the future when we release our videos. Uh, map reading is a good one. If you've been using your GPS your whole life and you have to get to your bug out location, if you don't know how to read a map, then, well, you're kind of screwed. So uh, that that's a very overlooked one, too, is yeah. map reading. And that's something I've been working on personally lately, too, is um, brushing up on map reading skills, topographical maps and whatnot, just to be efficient at it. Uh, navigation skills, general navigation skills without a map, using the stars. Uh, first aid, like John said, you got to be able to uh, handle cuts, bruises bumps, sprains, whenever you're, you're outdoors, um, whether it's a bug out or just on a camping trip. Um, um, we have barter and trading skills. You want to be able to, uh, barter and trade for different items if you need to, whether it's, um, ammo or whatnot, if you need medicine for say your wife or kid, uh, mechanical repair skills are always going to be invaluable because, um, if you, if you're bugging out in your vehicle or, or you're able to maintain your vehicle for some type of survival situation, you want to be able to do minor repairs on it, uh, whether it's oil or spark plugs, uh, basic electrical circuitry repair skills, 
um, repairing computers or circuitry on your vehicle. Um, you don't have to be an expert at it, but just, just understanding the basics of electricity uh, is a good skill to have in general. Um, a very overlooked one is clothing repair skills. Um, I've been out with a lot of people who've ripped their shirts wide open in this, in, out in the wilderness camping and they, don't, they either don't have an extra shirt or they don't know how to repair it, whether it's just sewing it together. So uh, th that's a good skill everybody should, should probably throw in their bag, uh, know how to repair your clothes. And lastly, fitness. Another overlooked one is fitness. Um, I've gone, again, hiking in the woods with, with friends or, or anybody, and, and it's amazing how quickly people get tired out. So uh, fitness should be a pretty um, constant priority when it comes to prepping and survival, uh, just so you're, you're able to carry yourself. You don't want to have to worry about being out of breath every mile when you're bugging out or when you're tromping around in the woods camping. Um, so just basic fitness, get, get out there and run a 5K, lift some weights, do some calisthenics. Yeah, I can see how fitness would definitely be an overlooked one, um, especially because, like you said, if you're going to be carrying all this stuff, if you do have to bug out and you have to go any type of a longer distance, especially if you start running out of gas or anything like that. Uh, I do a lot of running throughout the week and whatnot, mm -hmm. but just, just getting out there and making sure your cardio is together, making sure your joints are healthy, carrying that ruck, not to mention the mental stress of dealing with some type of survival situation. Uh, being in shape helps with that. Um Make, you know, not being overweight, make sure you can handle yourself, handle ammo, handle your kids. I mean, it, for example, if you have to even walk 10 miles and you have a two-year-old, you might have to carry the kid the whole time with your ruck on. So it, it's just being prepared in all aspects. And for anybody out there that doesn't have a two-year-old or a two-and-a-half-year-old, that's 30 pounds of flopping around weight. That's not, hey, this nice even on your body with you right. know, your weighted vest, that type of thing. It's you know, screaming in your face, screaming, arching the back. We've all been there. <laughs> so you, you, you better be ready for something. And, and again, that's just another stressor because I guarantee you that two and a half year old or two year old or three year old is not probably going to be in the best mood if it is a disaster oh, type scenario. Not. This isn't your good kid exactly. watching iPad. <laughs> Right. And, and it goes back to making sure, you, like uh, John mentioned it earlier, one of the biggest things is having a plan. Mm -hmm. If you don't plan for that, then it's not going to go over well. Uh, do you have diapers for the kid? You know, it's, it's the simple things like uh, making sure it's planned out beforehand. So when you actually have to do it, those skills are ready to go. You're trained up on the skills and, and you just react to your plan. Yeah. Yeah. Again, and that plan is going to change depending on who you're taking with you. And, and you've both said that, exactly. um, you know, multiple times already. So <clears throat> keep that in mind as kind of a recurring theme through this interview is, is that your plan has to take into account all of these things. It can't just be, hey, I'm running out the door, grabbing my nice bug out bag that I opened all my products up and tested them out first. Um, <laughs> but I'm actually thinking of, hey, my wife has certain needs. She has medications that might be different than me. Um, right. My child might have medications, diapers. Um, you know, you might want something different for the child to sleep on if you did have to sleep outside. You know, it's not going to be your sleeping bag or something like that. So all of these things go into your plan. Um, exactly. And, and, the, and the skills uh, really, um, and like I forgot to mention earlier, one of, one of my, I guess, personal principles as well is adaptability. You have mm -hmm. to be able to adapt to anything. Um, cause often your plan a fails it happened. I mean, 
Yeah, you're you're ex-military. You understand. Yep. Uh, they're they're plan A, B, C, D, E, and it's usually plan D that you go with. Um, so it's uh, it's the same thing. You have to be able to adapt to situations, and that's where where uh, the skills come in handy. Um, you can have those skills to to help with your adapting and make the situation work in your favor. Yep. And do more with less. That if anybody in the military exactly. knows, you do more with less. So keep oh, those. Man. Don't keep, even get me started. <laughs> <laughs> keep those things in mind as as we kind of go along. Um, it's a it's an interesting world out there, and and you're not going to have everything that you pictured in this beautiful you know video online. Things are going to break. Like John said, mm-hmm. um, you know you're going to forget something. You're going to leave something behind. These th- we're all human. Things are going to go wrong, especially in a stressful, disaster way. So, uh, you know, adapting and overcoming and doing more with, you know, what you have is going to be key to any situation. Um, so we talked a little bit about skills. So we talked about learning. And one of the first things that we should learn, I, I, I hone in right away to first aid. That would be my big one um, just for me because uh, I think nothing's going to trip you up more than an injury. Um, and being able to deal with the injury of yourself or a loved one, that is a huge skill to have in, in, in any emergency. And knowing that you have that skill in the back of your head, it's going to make you feel a little bit better if you know, you, hey, listen, I'm not going to be able to get to a hospital. You know, roads are closed, blizzard, right. whatever. Being, knowing that I'm going to be able to take care of my family if something happens is a big stress reliever for me. Um, what are some items, if you had to pick, say, first item that you would purchase going into the prepping world? We'll start with that. John, what would be that first item or items like in a group that you would purchase? I mean, if, if you're first walking through the door of the uh, preparedness world here, I would say start off with two weeks of food and water. For okay. Home. And yeah. that's a, it's a really obtainable goal. You put off to the side, um, quick definition on what two weeks of water looks like. There's a need of about a gallon per person per day. Okay. You have a family of four, you need four gallons per day. Now, really that is water for uh, hygiene, brushing your teeth, wash your hands, cooking and drinking. You're going to need about a gallon per person per day. There is needs beyond that. It doesn't mean you should stop there or say that I've got everything I need because if you have to flush a toilet and you have no running water, uh, you're in trouble. You're going to use a gallon of water just to flush a toilet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you have to wash dishes after you cook a meal, those, those kind of things use up water as well. But our, our first and foremost priority is making sure that we can drink and cook food with the water that we have. So two weeks, that's the starting point. Definitely. I mean, it's a good starting point. Now, what does that food kind of look like for you? Are you an MRE guy? Are you those buckets that you can buy at Sam's Club? What, what, when we talk food, are we talking about stuff that we could just cook in the house? No problem. Or. Yeah. You know, I think your, your, your first priority should be getting your pantry in line. Okay. So I, I want to have at least two weeks of food in my pantry. And if I've got two weeks of food in the pantry and that could be canned foods, mm-hmm. it could be, you know, some prepackaged foods that you just throw some water in and you're ready to go. Um, MREs, don't get me wrong, MREs have a purpose, Um, but that purpose is really in the military. You know, they're designed 
to provide a soldier with the nutrients that they need to maintain, uh, you know, a highly active lifestyle for that amount of time. Um, and to do so and boost morale when you don't have access to, you know, a warm meal otherwise. But is it the best meal for preparedness? Kind of not. You know, in my opinion, it's nice to have a case of them. And, and I, I personally, I, I geek out about emeries. I love them and I make my own. Um, and, and that's a kind of an alternate way of doing it is just making your own the stuff you really like because you ain't going to have somebody there that you could trade the taco, the tortillas with for something. You know what I mean? Um, but they're, they're, they're bulky, they're heavy. You know, most of the stuff gets field stripped. So if you're putting your money in that, chances are you're leaving some opportunity on the table. I would say after you get that pantry set up and squared away and you have at least, um, and consider when I say two weeks of food too, I'm not talking about, you know, three bags of Doritos, a can of salsa and a bunch of Oreos. I'm talking about like actual sustainable nutrition, you know, and, and does that mean maybe you have a, um, a multivitamin to go along with the fact that you don't have some great protein because your refrigerator is out? Sure. Uh, add a multivitamin, but have some real food that you can cook. Um, you know, when you start getting into more of the long-term preparedness, that's when you start looking at things like, you know, should I get a 50 pound bag of rice for 20 bucks? Because that's 75,000 calories right there. Um, should I get, you know, beans? And, and these are things that certainly is not going to be the, the meal you want to be eating in the, in the apocalypse, but any meal is better than nothing. And if you start getting yourself some of those free dry, freeze dried meals like mountain house, you know, the stuff that hikers would take, those are, you know, there's a huge variety of them available. Uh, you could take one of those meals and turn it into a meal for four with some additional beans and rice. So those help you kind of protect yourself from palate fatigue. If you're going to, you know, again, move from two weeks to a month and then from a month to three months, three months to nine months or a year, you know, and once you get to a year, the question is, do you stop there um, or do you keep on going? It depends on your situation. Though. Everybody's going to have a different answer to that question. Yeah. I mean, it could be something as simple as storage might become the issue. If you, if you live in a smaller home or apartment or something like that, you might have to stop at, say, six months because you might not have a, a good way to store the product. So, you know. Yeah. You well, and there's also the consideration of if, if in reviewing your risk analysis, what are the things I'm worried about? What are the things I'm preparing for? You know, if, not, if you know that... Um, there's a 99% chance that the things you're preparing for are going to lead you to have to bug out. Well, maybe I'm not looking to get, you know, a 55 gallon drum of water and 200 pounds of rice. I might be looking for stuff that's easily transportable. And maybe my food storage is not so much focused on stocking my basement. It's stocking a, a cash location that's on the way to my bug out. So I don't have to carry everything. You know, mm. there's different ways you can approach that. Definitely. Definitely. Um, Carson, if you had to buy, what's your first go-to? I know you come from a little bit of a different background than John with more of this survival bushcraft, that type of stuff. I mean, I'm assuming you're not going to carry two weeks of food like he was just saying. You know, you, you might have to do it in a different way where you have it out in the field somewhere for you. So is your item a little different? Um, uh, actually I'm on the same page with okay. God on this one. I, I think about really two weeks of food and water is, is a great, uh, if I had to pick because, um, generally 
that's what you're going to need right away. Like John said, I mean, you, people don't realize how much water they use until uh, you actually add it up. So um, having that food and water ready is good. Like it's good for morale. Um, but also you're know, making sure you have a way to cook that food. So uh, I would, I would, I would at least add some, maybe some propane to that. So if you have a grill, you can at least run that grill daily for those two weeks, you know, if it's a two week scenario, roughly, or even if it's a week scenario, have a way to cook that food that's stress-free. So you're not, you know, trying to scrounge together away and, and I would make sure that, that used to eating. And then uh, obviously down the road, you'll get more into the to the buckets and whatnot, but um, I, I'm, I'm on the same page. Uh, two weeks of water and food, uh, enough for everybody to live comfortably for those two weeks. Excellent, excellent. It's good to see you guys agree. <laughs> yeah. Now, I noticed that neither one of you said a shiny custom AR-15. Um, I'm, I applaud you for that, simply for the fact of the shiny items are usually not the items that are the first things that you need. Um, not to say that having a weapon is not, something that you should have but if you're not eating maybe that isn't the most important thing if you don't have enough water right the ar ain't going to help you that much and maybe it's not the best weapon if you're going to be using it for hunting you might want something that's more of a hunting type weapon um great for you know going for wild boar or something like that but not so great for deer and things in this area i mean i know a lot of guys would rather just have their bow out deer hunting so um, Me. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of, I'm new to uh, bow hunting myself. So I've been learning and so am I, yeah. I'm trying to, to come up with it. Um, but again, the shiny objects are not always the objects that you really need right. the and, first of. Right. And in the aspect of guns, uh, you're really, the object is to avoid combat at all costs. I mean, even the military teaches you that to an extent. I'm not trying to get in gunfights when I have kids in the house. Um, no. If I have to, I'll cross that bridge when I get there. Um, but uh, yeah, it's usually, it's pretty low on my list, surprisingly, um, the whole AR thing. I have guns and I'll use them. I know how to use them. But um, my, my goal is to avoid conflict at all costs. I would rather give some crazy person a couple cans of food and send them on their way and then just keep my eyes open Uh then, then just whip a gun out in their face as, as in being hostile. And, and not everybody will agree with that. You know, they, people will say, oh, well, they're going to know you have food. Right. But I, I'm not trying to come off as a hostile person and, and I don't want somebody else to come off hostile to me. And if I can deescalate the situation, then that's what I'm going to do. And that goes back to one of the skills that you talked about charisma, a little bit of exactly. ability to barter and a little bit of de-escalation training probably wouldn't hurt either because like you said if you got kids around getting in a gunfight probably not the best idea there's probably a better way to get out of that scenario and you you, you and want, if they you come back later heckling me for more food then maybe maybe i'll have to get more violent then uh, i don't want to but i, I I'm, that's never going to be my first option right unless somebody's trying to harm my family directly yeah and i i agree yeah. You always got to remember the the legal aspect, you know, it, it may be temporarily placed, but it eventually is going to come back and haunt you. So just because you're in a crisis doesn't mean you go around and start shooting people because they're walking down your block and look suspicious, you know? I think people forget the legal side of things a lot. I think yeah. a prime example is what just happened down in the Capitol. You had all these people 
doing what they thought what they wanted to do. Again, I'm not, I'm not, I don't try not to talk political too much on the show because this is more of getting information out for people. But right. you had people do something they thought was right, but how many of them thought about the ramifications legally after right. the fact? I think they all, all thought they were just going to walk back out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, well, it's all about consider that when mob mentality is taken over, it's yep. just follow the crowd and you know not. Take a moment to realize, am I getting myself in a, a whole hell of a lot of trouble here? Or is this the right move I should be making right now? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Funny how the movement of a group goes. It really is. And when you talk survival and kind of prepping, that mob mentality is something that you're going to have to kind of deal with, especially if it's an extended crisis, because... <laughs> All it takes is for one group of people to say, hey, we're going to start bum-rushing houses to take food. That group's going to grow because people are going to attach to that because they see it as strength or they just, like you said, mom mentality, you see a bunch of people running in one direction, oh, I'm going to run with them. So, yeah, yeah. well, and, and not only that, but don't forget, you know, when we talked about kind of the uh, three-day supply chain, how fragile that is and how easily it could get broken. So if we start running out of food and you don't have people out there with a two week pantry, then what, you know, quickly would you turn around and do something that's maybe, maybe a little bit morally questionable because you know that you're looking at a hungry set of eyes and your two year old, you know what I mean? I mean, sure. that, that's the thing is like, there's great people out there. There's a lot of great people. The great people will do some ugly things if it means I'm going to keep feeding my child. Yeah, for sure. And that's where the violence is going to come in. And, you know, once people realize that the trucks aren't coming anymore, uh, things will get bad. And I mean, people have to be ready to, to, to avoid that at all costs if they want to survive, because it'll just be some, some mass murder going on. Uh, and, and you don't want to be anywhere around that. That's going to be the worst part of any apocalyptic scenario is the beginning, you know, the, what, what the people are going to do. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm more worried about people people than I am nature. I can deal with nature right. for the most part. Um, you know, you can figure it out, especially once you get past the initial shock of whatever the disaster is, if it is a natural disaster. People are unpredictable and yeah, it's exactly. only gonna cascade and get worse as things go longer and longer. Um mm-hmm. it's not gonna I'm get pretty better. sure they uh yeah, and I and it's funny, um I John was talking about Walking Dead earlier. I, I want to say on that show, it might be that zombie show, that they 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 bring up that the uh, the zombies on the show aren't the problem because they're they're predictable. They're mm-hmm. easy to predict. But it's the people that on the show that always cause the problems. It's the cannibals and the and the uh, the crazy like tyrants and whatnot that arise. It's never the zombies that are the problem. They're always just kind of there. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's the, it's the people. That's what it's about. It's about how people, how do they rebuild civilization and whatnot. And you see the, the good in people in the show. And then you see the, the very, very evil. Um, so, yeah. 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 I mean, by season three, the zombies are just like a nuisance at that point. They're not even really, right. it's, it's all the other infighting and the, and the, you know, this governor or this guy with, you know, you got a guy with a tiger. I mean, it's you never know what you're going to do. Right. With. What am I going to tomorrow? <laughs> what am I doing with the guy with the tiger? That's what I want to know. Um, yeah. But, <laughs> so you, you mentioned about, um, and we've talked about this a little bit already. There's a, there's a big difference between prepping for yourself or prepping for your family. And again, talking about if you have buy-in from the family, which you may or may not, 
Um, that might affect how you prepare because you kind of have to take it upon yourself to prepare for them if, if that's the scenario. Um, but what are some things that you can kind of cue in the difference between prepping for an individual? What are some things that we kind of need to do different when we really start focusing on, say, the family and making sure that the family is going to be taken care of? Um, John, please. Yeah. So, uh, with, you know, with the family, the first consideration is what am I changing with my gear? I know that if I was planning my loadout to get out of Dodge for myself, I probably wouldn't have much more than my bug out bag. Okay. You know, I have everything I need in there and I'm ready to go. Uh, even some stuff for potentially a second person I might encounter. But when I start thinking about, I, I got to bring the wife, I got to bring two kids. And of course there's two dogs that come with that as well. Mm-hmm. I, I have to account for, all the gear needs that come with two kids. I have to account for the timing that it takes to get two kids ready. So if I was in a crisis, reaction time, I mean, I challenge anybody with, with one child, two children, three children, just see how quickly you can bug out without having to pack any gear. Just say, hey, we gotta go and see how long it takes you to get in the car and actually be buckled up and ready to leave. Um, you know, add crisis to that. People are stressed out. They, you know, you're forgetting things. You, you're jogging checklists in your head of what do I got to grab before I leave my house for potentially the last time, you know, so uh, making lists of things that you're going to need for, for grandma who has special health needs or, you know, for Susie who, who might be autistic and we, we have special considerations for her as well. Um, you know, the, the supplies vary drastically. If I'm bringing small children, I'm going to be bringing some comfort items for them. You know, they might not be a vital survival tool, but for my child, they will be, you know, and in the long run, they're going to pay dividends. Um, you, you also have to account for things like if I'm traveling with this many people, does that affect the routes that I might be going? to get to my destination if I'm bugging out, you know? Can I really travel that way or is it too unsafe because I have small children in the car? Whereas if I encountered a situation, I could get out and run, you know, you kind of get the point there that there's these variables that come in when you have somebody that might be slow moving um, or require some additional equipment or, you know, somebody that's on oxygen, somebody that's that's taken insulin, you know, having extra supply of all of that stuff is super critical. And again, if it was just me, I wouldn't be thinking about that stuff. Um, the pets, certainly anything you would need to pack for your pets. If you were taking them on vacation, you, you need to have ready in a bug out. So food, water, something to quiet them, perhaps, you know, if, if they're going to come with you, or you're going to make the ultimate hard decision to leave man's best friend behind. Yeah, no dogs are coming with. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, of course. I don't know, Carson. I mean, did I did I miss some stuff there? What would you? Add? I mean, yeah, you 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 pretty much uh, covered all of it. I mean, the only thing I'd really add is, um, I mean, but I'm, I'm pretty sure you covered it. Is uh, it's just prepping for a family. You got to remember, there's more mouths to feed, so uh, it's going to take longer to build up that stock. So you just have to plan for that. I mean, it won't. It's not just you you're feeding. You I mean you could realistically live off of a two-week prep as a single person for months if you had to but it's a little different with family you have to you have to more mouths to feed more people to take care of so all that has to be taken into consideration you know whether it's diapers for the kids or like john said medicine for a family member so it's it definitely makes it more complicated but 
at, at the same time, it's good to have that, that family dynamic and having other people uh, to watch your back. So I, I know if, 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 if I have to bug out with my family, I'll have my, my mom and dad my wife and kids. And, uh, I know I can count on my dad to watch my back when I'm sleeping, which is, um, and then vice versa. So it, it's good to have that kind of community dynamic with the family. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm very lucky. I'm very close with my parents. I know my dad, me and him would work in tandem to do things. So, uh, right. Same here. Yeah. You know, even <clears throat> though I know that like in a disaster, I would have to plan for them coming with me. I would, mm-hmm. it would be a tool. It would definitely be a bonus to have him. Right. And my, and my dad's been doing this for years. So, you know, he, he, he could, he just has to point and tell me what to do and I can do all the heavy lifting in the beginning, which is, it makes a good team dynamic. You know, I'm still young. I got a lot of energy and I, and, and, and he's, he's, he's older and he's got a lot of knowledge. So, uh, I know we'd make a good team and that's kind of one of the positives of, of having the family involved. One of the things, actually, uh, John, that you said is is that difference in time to get out, say. Um, and when you were saying that in my head, I'm thinking of the difference between, say, my daughter at two and a half or a guy that maybe has a 14-year-old daughter or a 15-year-old son or whatever who now has, like, an opinion, okay? If I tell my daughter, get in a truck— she might not want to. She might throw a little bit of a fit, but we're getting in the truck. A 14-year-old daughter or son who has an opinion who might say, no, I don't want to go. Dad, you're being crazy. We shouldn't leave. Mm-hmm. I have a different idea than you. I think that kind of goes back to that kind of buy-in. Even if you don't have buy-in for purchasing large quantities of items and things like that, but if you have a buy-in for the actual plan, this is what we are going to do. This is how we're going to attack a situation if something happens. If you have children of that age, that could probably be invaluable at that point. Um, yeah, right. you, you, got, you really have to think about whether or not you're going to have inclusion of the rest of the party, right? So are they going to play this game with me and practice this stuff? Or am I going to have to design this plan in a manner that I can just hand it to you Mm-hmm. And you'll react to the disaster. And, and that's kind of how I've done it with my family. Um, like I said, my, my wife's on board. She supports what I'm doing. You know, she takes interest to a certain degree, but she's not, you know, gung ho about it. And so I know that I can only go so far, you know, she'll, she'll do drills with me if I ask her to and things like that. We, we practice this kind of stuff to make sure that we can execute on our plan. But if I wasn't home, and the crisis happened and she's there with the kids, I have put together a small booklet, you know, it's like five by seven in a little spiral bound notebook that uh, as long as I can reach her, I can say, turn to page seven, it'll tell you everything you need to know. And it'll tell her how to link up with me, where we're going next, what to do, what to bring. You know, I mean, there's, there's all sorts of pre-calculated details so that when we're in the, the situation, we don't have to think about it. It's, it's ready to go. I've got one in each car, you know, contains maps to our locations. Um, you know, there, I mean, there's, there's a variety, there's a wealth of information in this little tiny booklet, but the point of it was so that I could give it to anybody. I could give it to my sister, to my brother, to my aunt and uncle, and everybody would be able to look at it and know exactly what we're doing and end up at the same destination, you know, safely. So um, there, there's always, 
ways around the family that doesn't support your motive here. Um, yeah. No, and it's good. And, but it's good that you can recognize. I think that's the key is recognize your audience. So recognize the difference between a family who's just saying, yeah, dad, go have fun or, you know, you know do your thing. And a family that's, really buying in and saying, I want to practice with you. I want to, because now your two plans are going to be very different. So uh, I, I like that you kind of hit on that because I, I don't know that my wife would want to drill with me to do these things. But I do know if I did what you did and I wrote out a plan, I know she would execute that plan. So yeah. I think that's, there's a good thing to plan for that. Um, so listen, We've talked about a lot of stuff here. We've talked about, you know, how to start in this whole process of prepping, how to deal with a couple different types of scenarios, whether it's that kind of apocalyptic, whether it's a natural disaster, whatever the case may be, the difference between family and individual. What are the items we need on hand? Uh, you know, what, what are some of the skills that we need to focus on? That kind of all feeds back into your guys' organization. And what you're doing is you're trying to set up this this educational portal basically where we could go and now I don't have to sift through 10,000 YouTube videos because I'm just going to come to you guys and I'll have information. You have 60 gigs of info on a hard drive that you've already watched. You've already gone through and you've kind of vetted. So can you talk to me a little bit about what you guys have been doing, the website, the videos, um, other services that you're kind of looking at. Um, either one of you can start. I, yeah, I don't know. Carson, kick it off, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'll start with the, uh, cause I, I, as of right now, I'm going to be doing a majority of the uh, videoing temporarily. Okay. Um, we're, we'll branch into me and John both doing them eventually, but what we're looking at right now is, uh, is, um, some, some honest gear review for one thing. Um, we want unbiased opinion because, uh, we want people, the stuff that we recommend, we want, it's going to, it could potentially save or kill someone. So we want to make sure that we're, our reviews are with tested gear and they're honest. So you'll see that coming soon. Uh, it'll be me testing different types of things, whether it's knives, fire starters, uh, different methods. And then, uh, we're going to be doing some, some videos on like setting up shelters and camps outdoors, maybe, uh, doing like a little scenario if I had to bug out and, and, and do like a three day, through the woods or whatnot. So it's going to be a multitude of different things, but we're going to be starting within the gear review section. Um, we're, we're, me and John are both new to the, to the video, making videos. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be a learning process for us too. So, uh, you know, we're, we're by no means experts at that, but we're, we're here to learn. And um, so we'll be starting off honest gear reviews. You'll see uh, some bushcraft stuff coming for me and my dad later down the road, probably in a couple months. And um just some basic camp videos, how to set up camps and whatnot in the woods. And then, uh, the, then it'll, it'll end up branching into the, um, the prepping world too. uh, me and John on camera together, uh, just talking about prepping 101 or whatnot, just so people can kind of have a visual of us talking about it. So that, that's kind of where we're at now. Just, uh, like I said, we're going to keep it simple at first, mm -hmm. uh, learn how to do the video thing. Um, but it's, it's gonna, we're hoping to, to really grow that, that section of it in the next year really learn and uh, blow up the videos so we can kind of get our name out there a little bit more as well. Yeah, it's great. I mean, that's, that's what we, that's the thing. That's what people really need is a place where they could go and kind of just get some basic information without getting so overloaded that you're like, you know what, I'm not going to do any of it. 
<laughs> right. Because that's and, the other option. Yeah, and and the and the thing for the videos too is that I want people to realize is I'm just a regular guy. I'm not an mm-hmm. expert at bushcraft. I'm not an expert at prepping. But um, you, it, the point is, you can get to the point where you're a regular person and still learn these skills that can uh, that can potentially save your life. Like I said, I'm not I'm not a bushcraft. I'm not Les Stroud or or Dave Canterbury. You know, I, I can't do all that crazy stuff. But I, I know some things um, for the average person uh, how to keep yourself alive in those situations. That, that's kind of our, what I want to do is, is show that you can be a regular person. You don't have to go overboard and, and still learn these skills. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that regular person. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, re- that regular person thing is important because most of us are not that bushcraft guy. Uh, you know, most of us are right. not special ops from the military with, you know, millions I mean, of dollars yeah, of training desk, in the air force. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like I said, people know I, I was a mechanic, you know, right. Same here. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's what I did. So, you know, they trained me to chuck a wrench at your head. That's about all I would have done. I mean, I, and, I used my M16 five times when I was in the military. Yeah. Right. Uh, and the point is too, like people like us have other hobbies. Like I have yeah. other hobbies. It's not just prepping and, and outdoor mm-hmm. survival. There's other things I like. I'm, I'm big into fitness. I like to uh, go off road in my Jeep. So it, it's manageable. That That's the whole point. We want people to know it's manageable. It's doable to be, uh, to have, to live this lifestyle, but still, also live a regular lifestyle right. as well. You know, your average, I guess, quote unquote, American dream. So, right. Exactly. We are, we are not, we are not those guys you see on the, uh, the show from discovery channel, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I hate to, I hate to, I don't really even think those guys are the guys from the discovery channel. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's, a, there's an extreme picture that's painted and there's kind of the, uh, the alienation of this group from the general public, because that's, has made people think that we're all crazy yeah. but you know we just we care about right to do a little bit of regular people better position yeah and we want to share that we want to share that with the rest of the world too and i think yeah, what you guys you are doing is going to help with kind of killing a little bit of that stereotype because there i think there is there really is a stereotype to the kind of when you hear a prepper you know even that term you're oh you're a prepper you're you know you're you're, you're crazy. Well, you have you're doomsday getting, peppers. To yeah, you're for doomsday. That, so. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You think that well, everything's. I, I didn't want to say the name, but yeah. Yeah. No, Talking but about, you know, doomsday peppers really gave it a bad taste. Yeah. But I think what you guys yeah. are doing is going to help. We're we're you know we're gonna we're gonna bring a program to the website, and the goal. I mean, we're gonna continue to push out normal content like we would, but we're also going <laughs> to scale back and start from ground zero. What is your very first step? if you're getting into prepping and continue a series throughout the entire year, kind of outlining a guide, how to guide of what to do. And we'll have those numbered sequentially so that if you join in six months into the process, you could go back to number one and start follow it in the proper order. Gotcha. Yep. May include some videos that may include some documents that you could print out or study or read or learn or whatever. Um, but we're going to kind of put a plan together that includes action items purchasing some things, you know, to, to build and enhance your skills. Um, it's, it's, it's going to be our way to help people that are afraid to get in, find the door, you know, that, that door is there. You just got to open and walk through it. That's great. Yep. And just like, and just like John said, like we'll have uh we're going to have both aspects. Like, uh, I mean, he'll, he'll be focusing on the more prepping aspect and then I'll have the beginner stuff going for, 
you know, how do you, how, what do you do in the woods by yourself out there? And like I said, I'm not an expert and I don't want anybody to think I am, but it, it's like we said, it's okay to be a regular person and still know some of this stuff, but even though you're not a spec ops guy or, or I don't know, some, some type of cool job that you'd expect. I mean, you, it's possible to learn these things and still be a regular person every day yeah. and, and, and learn it in a manner that's not going to overwhelm you. Yeah, for sure. So we talked a little bit about your kind of where you're going with the videos and stuff like that. Are there any other future plans that you guys are looking into doing? Because right now everything is free. You can go to the website. These videos are going to be out there. You're not going to have to pay for anything. Just so anybody out there listening, don't think that you got to all of a sudden do a monthly subscription to get this information. These guys are just putting this stuff out for everybody to have. I want to say that. Um, but are you looking at anything down the road, any future plans? Yeah, the, the, uh, so the, probably the next closest thing that we're going to be introducing, and um, it's, it's very early on in the uh, formulation stages, so I don't want to share too much information, but it's um, Project Safe Home. And essentially the, the premise that I had when I had founded Zero Disaster into a group instead of just being me. Um, was I, I was looking for those people that I could trust building those connections out there throughout the country, you know, and our group has grown. There's, there's six or seven of us now and we're scattered all over the country. And I know that if I was ever in a crisis somewhere away from home, I could go to any one of those guys and they would take care of me. And right. then, you know, they would, they would help me out in getting back home or, you know, posting me up for a short term or whatever it may be. And I would do the same for any of them. And so we want to kind of open that network up to others. Um, and we're looking at building this map and a login, you know, and I have to still work, you know, we're, we're working on the legalities around this and the liabilities, but we would like to be able to create a network where people could sign up and say, look, as part of this network, I open, you know, myself up to being helpful potentially. Mm -hmm. and something as simple as, Hey, I'm, 20 miles from your location, but I got a flat tire, you know, could you come out and help me um, to something a little bit more advanced? And it, and it could even be, hey, this person is in need right now. They had a home fire. They lost everything. So we might run volunteer programs or, um, you know, I mean, I, I don't know where it's going to go yet. This is early stages, but it's something that we're going to be publicizing a little bit more in the near future um, as we get the legalities figured out. And then long-term goals for us is, of course, to go into and offer consulting training services. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's really the kind of the the pipe dream for us here, probably within the next two years. Uh, for now, you got questions, you can reach out to us through the website, through our social media platforms, and we're happy to give you that information for free. Um, yeah. Point that's that's our goal is this will be a consulting business. So. Very cool. Very cool. And, and there's a need for it. I, I, you know, I had um, somebody on from um, an organization called Decisive Aim. And one of the things that he started doing was in-home security consulting. So he expanded from just his firearms training and stuff like that into consulting because he really saw the need there where, listen, you can go to a range and shoot. But if I come to your home and say exactly how I would attack this home if I was the one that was going to attack it and now set up a security plan for you, that's a much better way to spend, say, $800. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that now you have a, something right in front of you. So for you guys, exactly. the same kind of thing. If I'm going to spend 800 bucks 
on something say, I would love to walk out with a whole plan. This is what I need to do. For, yeah. This is my prep plan. You know, the idea behind that is to, you know, take the need to learn everything off of the end user, essentially, Mm -hmm. you call us, we're going to come out, we're going to understand your situation, and we're going to build a plan for you based on your needs and what your goals are. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. I like it. I think you guys are doing great. I, 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 I'm, I'm into it. And, uh, I'm looking forward to the videos and that because I'm somebody that gets down just I'll go down the darkest, darkest holes of YouTube. And yeah. it's, <laughs> it's fun. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy it. But it's not always best for good information. And honest reviews, we need more of that because there's too many reviews out there that you can tell that they're just happy because they want to do a video and this product's great. So please, you know, watch my video. Right. Not taking away from anything that anybody's doing out there, but an honest review of a product and somebody that's willing to stand up and say, no, this, this is actually a piece of junk. Don't buy this thing. You yeah. need that. Exactly. You know, especially when you're spending we, we want people, you know, we make a recommendation on a piece of gear. We want to know that that comes from, you know, experience with using a product. And, and I'll tell you right now, every product I've purchased, I've purchased a variety of different ones all the way from the cheapest until I got to the point where I said, I need this expensive version of it. That's going to actually last. And, uh, you know, that's why my philosophy now buy once cry once is, you know, there's certain things you, if you're going to trust your life to it, make the investment up front and you don't have to go through the hundreds of dollars spent on all the prior versions. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but that's that's where we're going. Excellent. Well, I've kept you guys for over an hour. So, uh, and you've given us a lot of information. It's a lot to digest for people. Um, they know that they can go to the website and the social media and all of that. Um, but quick closing comments. Please let us know where the website is, what the social media handles are, all that kind of stuff. John, I'll give it to you first. Yeah, it's uh, zerodisastersurvival.com. Um, we're also on Instagram at Zero Disaster Survival. We're on Facebook. We're on Pinterest. You just search Zero Disaster Survival on Google and all our social media. Um, Excellent. Excellent. I appreciate it. Um, Carson, do you have anything? Last comments. Yeah. If uh, anybody has questions, uh, we're, we're available on social media. Me and John both monitor the Facebook and the Instagram daily. We we're communicating with people daily. So uh, don't hesitate to reach out. Well, you'll get a response within a day for sure. Um, so if you have any questions about prepping survival or just anything in general from this podcast, reach out. We're here. Awesome. Again, guys, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. This is something, this is a topic that I wanted to dive into. And when I started following you, um, I knew I was like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm good with these guys. Let's get them on the show. Let's let's talk about this stuff. And and I appreciate the kind of honest approach that you have for this entire craft. And that's what it is. It's a craft. Uh, you know, there's going to be good and bad and everything. So um, I do appreciate all the information that you've given everybody tonight, and also the ability to ask questions in the future because there's going to be plenty. Um, but uh, again, thank you guys so much, and I hope you have a great evening. Jason, thanks so thanks, much. Jason, appreciate you having us. Thank you.
Again, I want to thank John and Carson for coming on the show and spending some time with me. Uh, I had a blast talking to them. A lot of information. It's a lot to go through. And um, I hope you guys take advantage of their website and as, as they kind of expand and they start doing more and more videos and offer more and more services, I think it'll be a lot easier for everybody to uh, to kind of just navigate through some of this stuff. And and. Again, I think there's so much information out there. It can be overload, especially if you're just starting out, like somebody like myself who, you know, I'm interested in just getting my house a little bit more ready for something uh, bigger than maybe just the average storm, extended periods of power outage, or if water supply really did become an issue. And I think when you start just looking at YouTube videos, it's very easy to get overwhelmed. So when you actually sit down with these guys, they really put it out there in a pretty easy way. Um, You you heard them talk about just the basics, what to start with. And all of these things are very attainable for a limited budget. And you really can just really prepare your family to make sure that they're going to be safe in, in the worst case scenarios. So please head on over and check them out. But Definitely follow them on Instagram. They're always putting out cool stuff. Like I said, that uh, each week when they put out that scenario, it's a lot of fun to see the comments that are out there and the conversation that's kind of going on. And the scenarios are cool. They're they're kind of uh, you know they're 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 really thought provoking. So I, I again I hope everybody just uh, follows these guys and and takes advantage of everything that they're doing. And again, it's free. So I mean, really, just check it out. All right. Uh, Again, it's another great week, and uh, we're going to have a lot more coming up for you guys. I have some awesome interviews uh, in the pipeline right now. So we will be still pumping out episode week after week, and I hope everybody enjoys it. If you have any show ideas or anything like that, please send them over to bulletproofveteran at gmail.com. You can check out our website, bulletproofveteran.com. Dot com. Okay, you'll always have information up there, and and when the race gets a little closer, a lot of the links and stuff are going to be right there on the website for you to just to click, and boom, you're right over to where we where you could sign up or donate or whatever you want to do. So um, yeah, those are two just great things to do. Is like I said, send me in show ideas, critiques, anything like that. I'd love to hear from you. So shoot that over to the um, the email. But also, uh, there's a contact page on the website. So if you have something that you just want to pop right into the contact page, that's uh, that's a great way to get in touch with me as well. Uh, I really appreciate everybody's support as always. Uh, I, I love doing this, and and the feedback that I get from everybody is. Uh, it, it makes it all worthwhile when somebody tells me that uh, they love the show or they, they love what I'm doing. It just makes me smile. So I'm going to keep uh, keep doing this. And I hope you guys love every episode as much as I love doing every episode. So um, I think that's it for this week uh, for Bulletproof Veteran Podcast. My name is Jason, and thank you for your service.